Hey, what's up, everybody? It is episode number 185 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted in Iowa by a musician. It is shipped to your door. All you have to do is grind it up and enjoy some delicious, delicious coffee. If you're interested in coffee shipped to your door uh, at a very reasonable price, check out CouchtownCoffee.com. Find a coffee you like, make an order, and if you let them know Audible Farm sent you, they'll give you 20% off. That's right, 20% off. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. Thanks, Couchtown. This week, I'm doing a replay episode. I'm replaying an episode uh, I did a couple years ago. Let's see here. It would have been 2019 I would have done this episode. And uh, it was with Danny Rabin from Marbin. And uh, recently, I saw... he. I mean, they're always going live. Danny's always live on the Marbin page. Uh, but recently, I did see that Danny had a new guitar made. And uh, it kind of just sparked some interest. I should hit him up about that. But this... It kind of inspired the replay episode for this week. I don't do too many episodes with too many quote-unquote famous people, but uh, Danny, I guess if you want to put fame and attach it to something, uh, he might be the most famous person that's been on the podcast. He's definitely uh, toured quite a bit. Uh, He's been around the world uh, and back again. I know a lot of things in his life have changed since this last episode, but Marvin is still crushing tours non-stop it seems like as soon as one's done they they take a few weeks off while they schedule the next one and then out they go again so it's really cool to have them out there touring all the time if you're not in if you're not familiar with marvin i highly suggest checking them out uh it's it's this fusion of jazz and uh some sort of like gypsy folk style music that just is so interesting and intriguing i've seen them play a lot of different places there uh, we talk about where they're from etc i i had them on the podcast because they're in iowa constantly it seems like four or five times a year they're in iowa so uh if you guys want to check them out it's definitely not hard to find them in or around iowa uh or right on the border that you know i've seen them in omaha and uh, across the river in the quad cities before so uh, they're all over the place check them out it's really cool hope you guys enjoy this episode this is episode 185 with danny rabin and it's a replay from 2019 it's the audible farm podcast with your host peter stockdale All right, so I'm sitting down today with Danny Rabin. That's right. You are the guitarist in, in Marvin. Yep. And uh, Marvin is from Chicago. Is that where you guys are based well, out of? We're or? based out of Chicago, yeah. yeah. But Not you, from there. No. Uh, well... Where are you from originally? Israel. Israel. I'm from a town called Rehovot. Okay. I'm not going to try and pronounce that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It means streets. Streets? That's the I, literal translation. So, so it's a town. I'm from the streets. You're from the streets. Yeah. The mean streets. The mean streets of Rehovot. <laughs> so what brought you over here then? Music. Music. Yeah. Did you like come to school over here to do music or? Uh, I initially went to Berkeley. College of Music, 2003. Nice. And then I graduated 2007. Mm -hmm. And then I went back for a summer to Israel and I met Danny Markovich. And then we came to Chicago together. Uh I moved from Boston to Chicago. Oh, cool. uh, Yeah, we just started. Well, eventually we started Marvin and uh, 
you know, went through a few transformations. Yeah, uh, the band has changed a little bit over the years. Uh, I mean, I've seen different drummers and bassists, but the... You and Danny, Danny no, and Danny. Yeah, was, you guys have been the two that have been. Yeah, kinda we the, wrote the music. Yep. And uh, Marvin is Markovich Rabin. So. Oh. Yeah, we would have to. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where the name came from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we would have to uh, find another person that has that in their name if we wanted to change lineups. Yeah, yeah. It's already tattooed onto the band. It can't yeah. be changed. No, cannot be changed. Uh, we actually were discussing how stupid of a name that is for years, but then, and like, you know, like our fifth album, the name is Aggressive Hippies, yep. and we thought that's a great name for a band, but then we started seeing all these bands that have literal, men's, like names with literal meaning, mm-hmm. and we'll just suck to be on stage and just be like we are aggressive hippies we are aggressive hit like yeah. every night you yeah know? so i'm actually now coming full full circle to the beginning and thinking that it's brilliant to have a name that doesn't mean anything okay because uh, you know you can i, I totally get that because it's up to whoever's listening's interpretation or it yeah and or also you don't you don't fall into like uh your own self-fulfilling prophecy bingo yeah you know it's so not like I would hate to be Cannibal Corpse. I know they're playing in town tonight too. Oh, they are. Yeah, and it's like we are Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, you are. Can- like you know, after like twenty-five years, like you're all like fat and old, and you're like I am Cannibal Corpse. It becomes know? a caricature of yourself, almost yeah. like. Uh, and I'm not trying to like pick on bands, but like when the Misfits went back on tour, they sure. got they got picked on a yeah. lot because they weren't quite what they used to be. Yeah. So yeah, Metallica is a great name. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah, exactly. It has metal in it. Okay, let me ask you this. How many people, this is going to sound really dumb, how many people have uh, tried to interact with you thinking, like, one of you guys is named Marvin? Oh, I get that all the time because yeah. I do all the Facebook Live stuff. So yeah. they're like, Marvin, I love your playing. I'm like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, yes. but it, it's our playing is good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of people think that that's you know because we're not from this country, so mm-hmm. you know they, they they look at us and hear maybe a little bit of accent, especially when Danny talks. Like, oh, that yeah. must be a name from their culture. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Marvin's not a Hebrew thing. It's just Markovich Rabin. That's awesome. I guess I never even knew that either. Yeah. But but I've been you know like following you guys online for quite a while. And yeah. that, was, that was one of the things that drew me to you guys originally was the fact that you had a ridiculously big following on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were constantly posting things. You, uh, Still am. You would do the sponsored content, so every time you were around, I would see that you were doing a show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you were always really good and active about that. Um, other things I would see would, like, you're interacting with people. So, like, uh, you would go live and just be like, I'm playing at this coffee shop in this town, and I'm going to teach you a little bit of something about this. Yeah. You know, and uh, you went to Berkeley School of M- Music, so you're a little bit above my level of playing. Because I can play guitar, but half the time I get about five minutes into what you're talking about, and I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about at all anymore. <laughs> so, so. Well, I mean, you know, there's a, I, g- I get some criticism from people who would like me to uh, slow down the pace or explain some things that are a little simpler but the internet's very slam packed with that kind of stuff so I mean I think uh, the kind of thing I'm going for I think it's helpful for people who have some sort of background in jazz and I think it's helpful for other people to understand that this stuff is a language and just kind of get generally inspired and like if somebody is uh, using terminology that you're not familiar with, then I think a, a big part of inspiration is just going out and seeking out those words. Like, so, like people keep saying, I don't know, 
fifths or you know yeah, some yep. or like you know talking about intervals or saying triads and you don't you're not quite sure what that means so it's like you're missing that piece of lego that that kind of like constructs that bigger meaning exactly and, and a lot and you don't need your hand your handheld through everything in music a lot of time it's just enough to just be like you know oh my god i'm sick of not understanding what that word is let's yeah. look it up and I, um but yeah it, it tends to be that uh the thing people are really lacking is uh, the drive to start a big project like learning theory from scratch. Yeah. Because it seems bigger than it is. I mean, I've got like basic music theory, so the concepts you're teaching are not like super foreign to me, but in the general gist of what's going on, I'm still kind of like, yeah, you're, going, you're a little over my head because I've only taken like level one music theory. Yeah. So I, I know basically kind of what you're talking about when you're talking about, oh, we're in the Ionian here, and yeah, nah, nah, nah. Mm -hmm. but then you start to get kind of crazy when you're talking about, oh, we could play this pattern, and then if you go to the second, this pattern, and the third is this pattern, and the fourth. Like you were doing that the other day, and I was watching, and like I said, I got it like three minutes in, and I, I kind of well, got Well, the question lost. is, where do you get lost, you know, and, and why? Right? That's so, true. So it's and like you just got to, like, find exactly, like, that point where somebody's talking and you're no longer following. It's mm -hmm. like, what, a good, like, if you want to get actually inspired to learn something, you just got, all you got to ask yourself is what happened there, that's, right? That's it's like that point where I said something and you're all, all of a sudden kind of off, off the train. Yep. You know, so it's like, okay, so... How do I stay just past that moment? What is that thing I didn't understand that made me confused? And I think if you tackle your practice one thing at a time, eventually you'll run out of things. Yeah. To, you, you just be able to be a part of the conversation. I think the, the, the talk about music theory isn't as infinite or complex as you might think it is. Yeah. The real part where people start falling off that train is where you have to apply the theory to your instrument and sound good. Exactly. But um, that's... I could see that a lot because I learned music theory like when I was like 18 on a piano. And then by the time I was like 28 and wanted to try to apply what I learned 10 years ago to a guitar, it was completely different because I was trying to take a concept and apply it to a completely different thing. Sure. I think, I think uh, when we teach a lot of master classes in universities and high schools and do that kind of stuff when we're touring in the day, and we get to see where people disagree with the way we teach and the way we talk because there's a lot of contradicting ideas floating around right now in the world of music and I think there's not a whole lot of consensus about the meaning of words in general especially when you get specialized like when you say harmony mm -hmm. negative harmony is like a thing now but like you know never mind that but like you know harmony theory even People don't agree on what music theory is. And you get to see a lot of people who are very married to maybe a definition of something that their first music teacher gave them that might not be, you know, useful to them. So the way I would look at music theory is very unlike scientific theory. And that's very confusing for people because when people think about theory, they think about uh, relativity or yep. gravity. Yep, it's or, a law. Or, yep. Yeah, something, something, like, something like scientific theory where it's something that you can prove or disprove, right? But music theory doesn't work like that. Like you get rules. Rules in music are like you can't play a C sharp on a C chord. And then you go to a piano and you go plank. 
did it. So it's like, what does it mean, can't? That's true. You know, you can do whatever you want. The problem is it sounds, it it makes a sound. And what you're really doing is you're categorizing. So it's less like scientific theory. And it's more like owning a gigantic library where you have millions of books and you're the librarian. And a good librarian has a choice of how he's going to organize all these books. That makes sense, yeah. So you can do it by width. Height, name of author, name of publication, era, whatever. And then you get into these positions where there's a job to do, meaning somebody can walk into your library and say, I want, you know, all the books written in France between 1932 and 1934. Now, if, you, if, some, if that's the job and, some, and you organized all your books by width, you're fucked. Yeah, that you know? makes sense. Yeah. So it's like if the job is playing jazz and the way you have arranged your knowledge is the way that's useful for the job of a classical musician, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do, right? Your, your theoretical understanding doesn't suit the task at hand. That makes sense. Most people can't commit to a task at hand. And, and you see it a lot. If, if your task is playing rock Mm -hmm. right or blues and you learn pentatonic scales and have great vibrato and nice tone and know all these rock songs and now all of a sudden you want to play jazz yeah right your system of organizing your musical world it's not that it's terrible it's just not suited for the job so you got to rethink about where you're going to put all these books or maybe like you got to come up with like new ways of categorizing things exactly you know so but right now more and more what you see is it's almost, you know how kids now are not even playing video games, they're watching people playing video games? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, there's yeah. all these sites where you get to see somebody watching somebody else do something. Um, that's more and more prevalent because you have so many examples of people who can play things, like you're scrolling through Instagram, so the net time that you're touching your instrument and figuring stuff out on your own is getting reduced because you're just consuming content, consuming other people doing things. And... Um, you know that's a very bad thing that makes, like, you, that makes sense if you need to get you, like just watching endless examples of people sounding okay is not a substitute <laughs> for practicing you know so you need to spend oh a ton God. of time holding the instrument and like if you, the moment you see something interesting you gotta you have like two urges that are competing one is to go to the next video of another interesting thing to understand it deeper maybe another explanation Get, but all you're doing is getting better at Googling, you know? So it's, yeah, you yeah. put it on the instrument and put it in, like, just, like, this grinding again and again from different angles is what gets you good eventually. Yeah, that, that makes total sense because, I mean, every time I see you and you're online, either doing Facebook Live or whatever, you're, you're almost never just sitting there talking. You almost always have a guitar in your hand. Yeah. So it's one of those other things where you have constant exposure to always touching a guitar and you're not just sitting at a laptop Googling no, stuff. And, no, and, and, you know, for me, all the gypsy jazz stuff for me was, uh, you know, really a hobby. It's, it's very fun, but... Um, it's not what I do full time, which is Marvin, but you know, still it everything feeds each other and you know, I'm always playing. I'm always trying to get better at something. Yeah. You know, when it comes to when it comes to music, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what tools I don't have, what how to improve the things I do uh-huh. have, like you know, how to improve technique, how to I mean just fretboard knowledge like you know there's there's always if you're really looking 
you know you're you're always you're always in a position where there's so much more you don't know than what you do know like, yeah what you do know is such a narrow band it's like you know i i know some things i know how to sound good through some songs but you know it's not like like my vocabulary is not endless yeah I, i get what you're saying i mean there's a popular quote that goes something like um as the island of your knowledge grows so does the shore of your ignorance right so you know the bigger your knowledge is you just realize i you realize how much you don't know the more you learn yeah and that's kind of a crazy concept to think about Well, with music, it's weird because at a certain point, there's like this one leap that some people do, which is the leap into sounding good, you know? And it's very amazing because there are, like once you become a voice on your instrument, not a lot of people make that leap to where they just are a thinker that just kind of is one of the mouthpieces. And uh, it's almost like there are two scales. There's the scale of sounding bad And the scale of sounding good and some people are very low on the scale of sounding good and some people are very high on the scale of sounding yeah. bad but those two don't ever touch okay yeah I you see know what, what i mean yeah and it's like it's kind of like um i can't it's it's like waking up coming to awareness or something uh that thing where you actually start playing where you just kind of sink into yourself and you're like oh like this is for real and i'm playing for real and i get to actually move things in time and color things you know and and make choices that have weight and before you do that you're just kind of like a kid playing and a lot of people just never wake up you know they and, and there's no there's no there's nothing to do you know it has there's nothing to do for people like that you have to It's kind of like a, a rite of passage kind of thing. Some people just seem to get there and some don't. Yes, it's, you have to take the initiative yourself to, to put in the work by yourself. Because so much, so much of what people think is like, uh, you, this guy's a guitar player. He's out there every night and he's just shredding it up and chicks are hanging off of him. and blah, blah. Like, How much time did you spend alone at your house doing guitar stuff to get as good as you did? You know? and it's, oh, I still do. Yeah. I, I still spend most of my time. And I, alone doing you know, that stuff. And along with that, I really enjoy the analogy you made of uh, there's a scale of bad guitar players, and you can be the best bad guitar player or like one of the people that's a good guitar player, and if you're in the lower echelons of that, there's still there's a big leap between there. And when you described it like that, I remember just being that kid with a guitar, and it's like, oh, I'm just playing tabs. Somebody wrote this, and this has to be what it is. You know? like, so you're just going by whatever somebody tells you or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in my 20s, I was just like, I'm going to start trying to pick up like rock and blues and scales and trying to figure out theory and, and put it all together on a guitar. And I started doing exactly what you're saying. I had this like, epiphonic moment where I realized I was learning things, and I could go out to like blues jam nights and actually fit in with these people and do things and, yeah. and have a tiny little bit of a voice of my own. I I mean, granted, so many people there were so much better than me at the time, but it was still one of those things where you said, it's this weird leap you take, even if you're at the very bottom of the people that are good at playing, it's just kind of like, wow, this is something different, completely sure. different than what I was doing before. Well, there's, as a listener, it's very, it's very obvious, at least for me, it's like, it's so, it's so weird because, uh, like, it's hard to talk about this balance between subjectivity and objectivity you know what i mean yes. so it's like charlie parker to me is objectively you know if not the best for sure one of the best saxophone players that ever lived uh why well because on every if i have to like kind of rank them you know against every other saxophone player i can pretty logically like you know say you know 
kind of grade him to be that way. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard to... It's hard in, within the field of aesthetics to break, like, you know, how, how can you make objective claims in something that you perceive, like, absolutely subjectively? Exactly, you know? yeah. But still, it's like, um, it's easier in sports, right? Like, Michael Jordan is objectively yes. one of the greatest, Yes, right? yes. Uh, and it's weird, because music is almost, kind, like, nobody would listen to a five-year-old and Charlie Parker play and say that the Charlie Parker and that the five-year-old is, is better, yeah. even though they both might make sounds, right? Exactly. And in kind of a postmodern world, you know, you could say that they're both equal, but it doesn't really work like that. We notice. Um, you know, Miles Davis has a good quote that he said that I'm not, I'm not the best because there's no such thing, but I'm one of the best. Yeah, you know? I like that. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah, even though I don't think he's one of the best. But <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's a it's a tricky kind of thing. So, but my, the point the point I was originally trying to make was that as listeners, we know what quality is when we when we're faced with it. I believe, at least I can say that I do, and. Uh, and there are all sorts of qualities that exist. And I think the, the healthy, you can make healthy choices with listening just like you can with food. So I, I'm not going to name any people I hate, but like there, there's a lot of music I dislike. And not because it's terrible, but because it's uh, poisonous. You I know, can, I like, guess, like McDonald's. It's the McDonald's of music, you know, to where it's like <laughs> produced to satiate this thing inside you that's hungry for garbage yes. and leaves you feeling worse than when you first got on the ride. Yeah, there's no, no nutritional value to, no, what, you know. No, and some, and some people just, you know, there's some people are just so good that it goes beyond your mechanisms of like jealousy or... You know, I get exactly what you're saying. Going back to the sports analogy, it's like Tom Brady. Love him or hate him, he's friggin' good. Yeah. You know, that's the reason people love or hate him. You know, so it transcends whether or not you like the person actually, and it's just right. like well, obviously the guy's good, and that's why you don't like him, or you do like him. You know, so that, same thing with some musicians. They're just so they're so good at what they do. It's like you can't say they're not good. Yeah, I mean, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> it's but true, true. You could just be wrong. <laughs> you know? But it's. Uh, yeah, listening to Django Reinhardt or Charlie Parker or Mozart, you know, it just, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that's designed to make you feel something that you need to feel, yeah. right? Rather than something that's just, uh, you know targeting the weakest part of your brain yeah just hungry for a beat i mean you can even take that and extrapolate it like if you only practiced like ramon's punk songs and i'm not trying to crap on anyone but yeah. if that's if that's all you ever practiced and you got the best at that you're not really utilizing too much of your learning ability by only ingesting that now like i said i'm not trying to crap on the ramones or anybody that because i like, barely even know him so it's yeah, okay yeah but it's, <laughs> it's it's just punk music you know yeah. it's power chord three chord punk music but it's still one of those deals where like if that's all you're doing and that's the only thing you're doing you're not expanding your width of knowledge or your practicing regimen or anything like that any farther than that sure it's not like it's it kind of comes back to this almost quote-unquote poisonous like we were talking about earlier it's yeah. you're not doing yourself any favors in that aspect too so it could come down to even like not just listening but like as far as what you're learning on the guitar yeah i mean i think it's you you, you can get you can 
you can have a good path through art and music if you just are honest about how things make you feel. You That's know, because like aesthetic, when you're doing aesthetic things, the whole point of it is to make people, you know, and yourself, you know, feel something. So the depth of what you're able to give can't ever be larger than the depth of what you can perceive. So whatever kind of defining electric moment you have with music kind of defines the pinnacle of what you're capable of right so yeah. like the deep experiences you have maybe as a kid maybe as an adult realizing things diving deep you know uh having some sort of reaction to music those are that's kind of like the groove inside you that defines the depth of what you're able to communicate to another person people people can't um It's like I heard an author talk about this that you can't ever write a character that's funnier than you are, you know that's, that, that's or, true. or smarter than you are because that's that's because you have these human limits human on you limits and, and you can't imagine yourself to be funnier yeah. you know so it's like you can't make you can't have an emotional depth that you're incapable of in your music you know that's that's actually really deep and really brilliant yeah. I, So, yeah, we're busting out some good stuff here today. Uh, like, while we're on this topic, kind of like uh, maybe have people having different opinions about music, uh, you're no stranger to people having uh, opinions that differ from yours online. Uh, yeah. Because you have so many Facebook followers, you also have a lot of Facebook uh, detractors, let's say. Uh, the, the Marvin Strikes Back? Yes, sir. I'm talking about the hashtag yeah, yeah. of Marvin Strikes Back, which I <laughs> a few years ago I thought was like... Uh, I was like, man, these guys are ballsy doing this. And then after a while, it's like, yeah, why shouldn't they strike back? You know, there's so many people. That well, we just decided that we're going to have like a zero tolerance policy to it. So, uh, and it's just, well, first of all, they, they don't understand. We control the conversation in the sense that the way Marvin Strikes Back works is they write something. I write something back. They write something back. I write something back, I take a snapshot of it, and then I post it. Yes. So I decide when the conversation's over. Uh, and that's a lot of, it's like, it's like talking shit, it's like hackling in a stand-up show, not realizing that the comedian's holding the mic. Bingo. It's not, it's not, um, it's not a balanced debate. You're gonna always, uh, you know, and, and the, the whole idea of the strikes back, it's like, you know, I would never talk shit on the internet, but I'm amazed at the amount of people that would. That will, so, yeah. yeah. So I, I always, but also I'm, I'm always trying to be not uh, horrible to them. Bingo. I, if I'm cranky, sometimes I go over my... <laughs> well, I mean, justifiably so, though. Like some of the things people say, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty attacking of like the music that you oh, guys completely. put out. You know, it's like... Uh, Uh, something I'm just trying to think of something it's usually something along the lines of like more notes doesn't equal something blah blah right, whatever right. something less and, is more yeah and I you know one of the arguments for that is like why don't you just play more notes and you'll see how fun it is or like something like you know it's just one of those types yeah, of deals yeah there's, there's literally a billion a billion comebacks but you know I always find that the, the whole the whole less is more thing and, and aesthetic minimalism and this thing that they're trying to push Uh, that's, that's really popular in our generation is just none of my favorite I mean literally none of my favorite players ha came from this school of thought yes it's just it's so antithetical it's so ignorant because 
if you think about rhythm, which is the guiding principle of music, if you play less, less diverse rhythms, less subdivisions, then you just have less options. You, it's just like saying yes. that uh, I don't enjoy colors, so pictures should be black and white from now on. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there's too much, too much going on. Like, people have already done colors, you know. Yeah. But it's like somebody sitting with an eight-pack of Crayola crayons, and they're like, this is the only crayon box you should ever use. And you're sitting yeah. here with a 64 box, and they're like, you loser. You know, yeah. like, and you're just like, why am I bad? Because I have more crayons than you, you know? Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, I mean, when you're trying when you're trying to improvise, you know, what you're really trying to do is kind of have freedom, and have tools to follow ideas to fruition, and um, and yeah, sure. Like a lot of it, a lot of it's really technical, and I also understand, you know, when you're talking about musical phrasing, there's three modes uh, of playing. That, that you can lump anybody's solo and history into, right? Like you can call them different names, but like the way I like to call them is making statements, which kind of, that's kind of like, you know, most of B.B. King's playing, things that kind of echo in your mind that you can sing back. Okay. Riding the groove, okay. which is just like the talking part of soloing that's kind of like meandering and just feels good, but not necessarily memorable. Okay. And yep. then there's the shredding, right? It's like the stuff that's, dazzling yep. or overwhelming and those are really the three things you can do that makes sense right yeah. so it's like you can kind of have this like if you're playing on a show do, do, go, 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 that kind of thing and you're playing you're riding the groove yep. you're not making statements yeah, it's nothing. but if you go like you know and that's fine it's a part of soloing and if you go like kind of echoes back in your yep, mind, right? Yep. You, you got that. And if you go like, it's like nobody remembers that, but exactly. it does something. Yes. And those three things and phrasing in conjunction in a right balance with each other create interesting solos. Yes. So it's like, it's not, it's like not... You know, it's like saying, like, I don't like people who walk on two legs. Let's chop off one of the legs. <laughs> it's like hop everywhere. It's more interesting. And it's I, like, well, I get what you're saying. Like, this morning I was cruising through some of your discography. I was showing someone. I was like, well, this is Marvin. They're going to be at Lefties tonight or whatever. Like, check it out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, this is totally not what I was thinking it was because I didn't tell them anything about it. You know, it's kind of like showing them... Uh, Showing them a random movie and not telling them anything, and you're just like, here's the title, and then they get like half an hour into it, like, oh, this is a, a what, you know? Okay, so that was kind of what it was like. But uh, I, the more I realized it, and I listened deeper into your music, because I've seen you guys a handful of times live, I've listened to all your music, but the deeper I listened to it, I realized that exactly those three things are almost in every single song in some yeah. form, which is kind of cool because you'll sit there and you'll be like. You get some shreddy stuff, but you also get like the phrasing that is the common phrasing through the song. But then there's like shreddy solo-y stuff. And usually somewhere in the middle, you guys hit like a groove where everybody's kind of grooving out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that it's kind of crazy that now that you sit here and explain this stuff, I, I'm finding your music to be a little bit... I'm finding I'm finding I can understand it a little bit better. Because before it was just like, it's so foreign to me, you know. Yeah. I was, I'm... You're in Iowa right now. Born and I'm born and raised in Iowa, so I only have the exposure of what Iowa has to give, and I have no gypsy jazz <laughs> background at all. You know, those are two backgrounds I don't have anything that mm -hmm. I know about. But now that you explain it with uh, 
that basic outline, I kind of get the gist of it um, yeah, but overall. I mean, if you listen from that perspective to Charlie Parker or Django or you know anybody, John Coltrane, they all. It's not. It's not that we invented it. It's all you can do. You can't do that many things. There aren't that many things in music, right? So like when you're just playing rhythms for people, one of three things can happen. They could be memorable. They could be just pleasant and grooving, mm -hmm. or they can be dazzling and overwhelming. That's it, right? It's like mm -hmm. that's that's all I mean by that. And a good solo has a balance of those things. So you gotta you gotta if you shred the whole time, you know, like. I don't know, like some shrapnel guys, like from the '80s, where it's just not interesting music. It just sounds like there was you know, a point where that happened. Yeah. I love shredder. That's probably my favorite style of guitarist is shred yeah. playing. But there was a point in the '80s where it's just like it's overboard. Right. You know, you can't play 240 beats well, per minute, sixteenth notes the whole time. A call, guy like Ingve, like you know, to me, like you know, was super. Like you listen to the solo on like Black Star or something. It's yep. like you know, it's super balanced. You know, it's like he's playing a lot of like thick things that are riding the groove but definitely memorable statements like all over those solo like the well what do it's like you know the way that solo starts it's, yep. it's fucking awesome you know or like you know for the love of god steve vibes like yep. tons, tons of statements but then it's balanced between you know all these great all the all the top echelon players in that style I had to follow it or it wouldn't have worked that makes right? total sense but uh but then you get into like you know, Rusty Cooley and like, you know, the people kind of after that kind of tried to just shred. Yep. And it's, and yeah, I mean, you do get to this thing where it's not less is more. You need to have just as much, but you need to have the proper a, balance of it yeah, all. Yeah, you need to, you need to understand what makes good solos. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not just the flat, the flashy part of it, you know? Yeah. So the analogy is like most people eat cookies because they're, they're sweet tasting, but you can't make cookies with just like 90% sugar. It doesn't make right. any sense, you know? Right. right. You're not going to like do lines of sugar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so I was like, one of the things when I started like following you guys online and stuff like that, I, I, we talked about it first was uh, you're always online playing. You're mm -hmm. always kind of saying like, well, here's how I kind of view this person's style. They used a lot of these phrases or a lot of these patterns because that's usually what a lot of players do is they'll pick handfuls of patterns and, and phrasings and styles they like and just that's their set that they usually use for the most part. So you can kind of nail down some people's styles pretty good. You're pretty good at that. I think that probably has to do with your musical teaching mm -hmm. uh, whereas opposed to somebody like me, it's I'm just kind of guesswork at, for the most part. I, f I feel like I, for me, I always had this ability to look at the big picture and understand how to articulate the details that make it work. Yeah. Right? So and and uh, that's it, th that's something that like I guess I didn't have to work on very much because I could always I would always kind of gravitate into to the things that I you know to the best of my judgment were like the essential kind of bits of information inside this big complicated thing makes sense and if you can kind of go in there and extract those and practice those and show them to people uh they react but i think you know the facebook live thing took off first of all because the band was doing well and uh you know we had enough people kind of you know responding to our page so a lot of people were watching it but uh I don't know if you if you're kind and generous to people they tend to appreciate it you know? yeah and, and it's just like yeah they respond to it I mean, you're giving back in more than just like video lessons. I've seen you post like, well, here I've drew, I've drawn out every scale you can play. 
yeah. you know, and I've seen you draw that sheet out and share uh-huh. that a couple of times. And, you, and you're good at going back in time and resharing things that you've already posted once, yeah. which I think is beneficial because how many times do you go through Facebook and you see something you're like, I'm never seeing that again. Right. I'll never find it again. It just, well, I mean, with the live videos, I wouldn't even know how to begin because I've done hundreds and hundreds of oh, hours yeah. of those. So, yeah. But I mean, I have students that like, you know, go back and fish something out and share it and then, you know, do that. But the interesting thing about that is that, uh, you know, this is kind of like the new thing from our, the, the era that we live in, mm-hmm. that you get, if you're, I guess, confident enough to interact online, which I know a lot of people are just kind of silent passengers on this live feed thing, yep. they shouldn't be. Like, if you have a question, you're pretty likely to get it. And, you know, if you ask something, I'm probably going to answer it. Exactly. And, uh, you guys have always been good about that. Even if I just like... Even if I'm just like watching, it's like, oh, you guys, it's it's midnight. You're on the road. You're talking about something. I'm just like drive safe, and you're just like, oh, drive, Peter says drive safe. You know, yeah. thanks. And it, you're good at interacting with everybody, even if it's just a little bit for simple things yeah. that they're trying well, to I say. Mean, I understand that there that they are people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I don't know. It's like I I don't uh, like it's very strange. Um, we got to spend some time with people who were known guitar players in the 90s and 2000s that grew up in the 80s and the heyday of guitar. And they had a sort of distance from their audience that's what, it was just never, it was never my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I never felt like, um, you know. Any sort of connection to them or? Well, I mean, for me, like, you know, I, we started from nothing, so it's like, I, I was talking to everybody at our show, and even when we play big shows now, it's just, I, I understand it's people. I don't think it's like my fans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I must escape them to the green room. You know? I'm going to go out of the back door before somebody talks to me. Oh, yeah. You know, I just, I don't, I don't feel that way. So I understand that those people on the other side are people who are curious. And I don't know, maybe, I think psychologically it actually might break down a little bit of the mechanism of uh, fan and artist, you know, because I, I think people like to imagine you being not a person, you know, being yeah. kind of bigger than life, and it's like you let their fantasies fill in a lot of blanks, and I can see that we don't do that, uh, and some people are, like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, the guys in, I don't know, Wolfpack or some band that's, like, huge right now, you yep. know, are have very little interaction with their fan base and I don't know past a certain size maybe it's not possible but um, well, for me it was always I just I just treat uh, people the way I treat people which is try to be as nice as I can and and try to be generous I'm also I'm not I, I can't subscribe to the idea of keeping your teachings secret but I, I'm not trying to sell them so that that's another thing that, that's yeah. very different than a lot a lot of guitar players now are just uh, you know especially in gypsy jazz and, you know they keep having these online academies and lessons that cost yeah. subscription money or they want you to download their lessons for like you know 30 bucks a pop or something for me that's free man just the thing that's co- I'm, I'm selling music you know you go yeah you buy our albums yep. and come to our shows and, and that's all i ever wanted to do you know and that's one of the reasons i think i respected you so much about like your music is is your music's everywhere on every streaming service and everywhere so like i can access so much of your content for free that going to your shows live buying your t-shirts i got the do you do you even shred, shred bro, bro. <laughs> that's, i love that shirt i love wearing it places uh but yeah like i mean 
I go to your shows every time you're in Iowa just for the simple fact that it's like this is this is how I'm going to pay this band back for yeah. putting all this content online. It's it's not much different than like a podcast. You know, like comedian podcasts are a big deal right now. So like the only way to pay these comedians off for their podcasts is go see them live. I mean, granted they're getting like ad revenue and whatever, yeah. but but still like it's uh the yeah. concept is still the same. Hey, I'm wearing me on these right now because of Bill Burr. Really? Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, actually, actually, I shouldn't even mention it. I'm a, I'm at a coffee shop right now. I won't mention my sponsor because it's another coffee place. Oh, <laughs> shit. No, it's cool. It's, <laughs> it's cool. We'll talk about it afterwards. Uh, but yeah, so like, your guys' online content is amazing. So much so to the fact where like, uh, your quest for tone uh, brought you guys to. Were you like crossing the border into Mexico on foot? What was <laughs> what was all that about? I was watching that. Yeah. So this this is day uh, 44 of a 44 day tour right now, and about halfway through it, we were playing and uh, we drove from. Where did we drive from? From Arizona to from Flagstaff, Arizona to or no? From uh, what's the big city in Arizona? Tucson, no, Arizona, not Tucson. Phoenix. Phoenix. We right. drove from Phoenix to El Paso, and then uh, we had two shows that day. We had one in Juarez, playing the jazz festival in Juarez, and then late at night we had one in El Paso. And like the the promoter told us, like the line to go into Mexico is like five minutes, and then to go back into the USA is like seven hours. Yeah, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's fucking crazy yes, like yes. trying to get back because you know everybody wants to be in this country for some reason because um, it's awesome <laughs> it is uh, it really is awesome yeah. dude people that think it's not awesome should go other places it's uh, so awesome bingo, oh. bingo. Oh. even other great places oh. seem not quite as awesome it's awesome yeah it's so awesome like we just and the you, fact that you could just dude, drive and, 44 days and you would know that more than, oh, more than anybody because of how much this is you're, not even, you're not even from here so you would yeah, definitely yeah. know and in a lot of ways socially it's not amazing like yeah. to hang out to hang out there are better places to hang out in the world but to work oh my god dude it's just an amazing anyways yep. not gonna go down that rabbit yeah. hole yeah uh, so yeah so he's like we have to go on foot and uh you know, because we wouldn't be able to make it back to our show in time. So did you? So, you went so, on foot. So we went. We drove to El Paso. Okay. But uh, you know, they didn't. They had a cab for me, but like some, like transistor head. Uh, so we got my pedal board, and my head, hundred watt tube head, weighs like a hundred pounds, and you know our guitars, cymbals snare drum we parked right on the border of el paso and juarez yep. and then we walked about a mile across the bridge carrying all the gear on foot and then they picked us up drove us to the jazz festival we played the gig they drove us back uh by the way we're famous in mexico it's crazy it's like single women in our shows like marvin <laughs> it's very weird it's not like the u.s at all um and uh you know we and then we came back uh carried all our shit back on foot got to the venue just in time and yeah it it, it worked out but uh I, i'm i'm pretty particular about i would have played what they had but it would have sucked so yeah i mean so i'm very glad i got to play my own amp and the people that paid money got to you know hear it the way i like to hear exactly. it exactly um i mean there's this giant argument that is like a great musician can make any gear sound 
kind of like what they want it to. You know, uh, you can manipulate it in a fashion, or pl- your playing sure, style gonna, will lend gonna, itself. I mean, you're gonna sound like you, mm-hmm. but it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess a great audience member would forgive you sounding 10% shitty. <laughs> but do they take the same kind of... Uh, That's true. That's true. You know what I mean? Do you extend this logic to the audience too? That's it's, true. It's like yeah. if, if the artist is so great, as the audi- can the audience also be so forgiving? Yeah, true. Uh, so it's not like you're going to... Yeah, okay. I get what you're saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. You, yeah. Could, you could show up with a line six and, and rock a line six. Listen, I'm going to play the same kind of lines, the same kind of rhythms. It's just going to sound different like, yeah it's gonna sound like me playing through whatever yep yeah you know makes so sense. i mean people that are really into my playing are gonna like it but liking my playing is also liking my music is also liking my judgments about sound exactly and I, and yeah I pick that gear over a very long period of time to fit what i do yeah you know what i mean it's like it's it's just it's faulty logic it's like saying van gogh is great he's gonna be great with a pencil it's like, sure, he's going to be great with a pencil, but do you really want a bunch of pencil drawings in your house yeah. or in the fucking Louvre? Yeah, no, exactly. you don't. Yeah, you want to totally. see that guy do the thing, do the job with the right tools for the job. That totally makes sense. You know? That totally makes sense. So it's like, it's not like he's going to be a terrible painter. He'll figure something out. Yeah. But it's like, do you want to see that like bastardized version of the thing? Exactly. As opposed to the thing itself? It totally makes sense now. Yeah. Like, uh... Especially when it comes down to like, I've, I go to shows enough, uh, I've seen you, this will be like my fourth or fifth time seeing you in like maybe three years or just under three years. Because uh, like I said, you guys tour through Iowa a decent amount. Yeah. So um, I, I usually like to peek at everybody's pedal boards because it's like, what's on there? And it, yours changes a decent amount. Yeah, not mine's a, totally not a, different now. Not a lot, but it does change. Now, now it's totally different. Yeah. From the first time I saw it, it's not even the same because i think i think you put a video up online of it maybe uh not too long ago so what like what's the thing that gets you to change what's on your pedal board then uh in regards to your tone um because i feel like a lot of people just find something stick with it never change yeah i mean um well there were there were a few a few things that were really um pivotal for me so in the beginning i played with a lot of pedals i think up till maybe 2014 maybe 15 uh, and then I started playing acoustic guitar. I started getting into gypsy jazz. And I started noticing my guitar technique changing, and I was looking for a, res- a response from the guitar, from the electric guitar, that was kind of um, hard to explain for people who don't understand what it feels like to play lines on an acoustic guitar. But when you do it, there's a certain kind of snappiness and quickness to the notes. You, you start getting really used to, to the way an acoustic instrument behaves that if you grow playing digital gear, you know, my first kind of setup was like those red pods. Yep. You yep. know, oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. terrible speakers and like a metal kind of thing. So it's, you know, delay and very compressed and light touch. And you can't. You don't really develop, you develop kind of a general guitar technique where you're kind of hitting the notes in time, but you're not really playing dynamically. It wouldn't work if you, it doesn't translate, right? If you yep. play it like just through a clean amp or on an acoustic guitar, you would get n- no sound. Yep. You know, it would, it would uh, it's almost like the guitar is a MIDI controller at that point. And I was getting farther and farther away from that. And then... I was noticing that my sound was compressed and also there was a lot of signal loss because of all the cable and pedals. 
Uh, so I just went really minimalist. And uh, for years, I was just doing uh, boost pedal, overdrive pedal, and a delay. And yeah, yeah, that sounds that's, familiar. And that's all I really had for a long time, delaying the effects loop. Like a 100-watt head with two channels. I've been using the same head forever, which is a custom audio electronics OD100. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the time, I think it was an RC booster and maybe an SD, Maxon SD9, yep. uh, which is really imitating Scott Henderson. Yeah, it's a uh, like seafoamy green kind of colored one. Yeah. Yeah, not quite the tube screamer color. Right. Yep. Right. So I had that for a long time. And then I replaced that distortion pedal for another one by Exotic called the Soul Driven. And I played that one for years. Yeah, I remember that one being yeah. on your board. And that, that's gone now. And... Uh, and then this year I got the G2, which is the switching system that the gig rig makes. The the guys that have that pedal show on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So that, that Dan make he designed this uh, switching system. It's kind of like a Bradshaw switching system, but very small. And um, you know that allowed me to bring some pedals back into mm-hmm. the chain. Yep. And uh, it also controls the channel switching of my amp, which is nice. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so now everything's kind of presets and no more dancing around. And That's nice. The, la- the latest thing that happened after that was the guy from Vertex, Mason, uh, Vertex Pedals, reached out and sent me a bunch of pedals, and they're so good. And uh, Mason got into some heat over. They, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it, but like, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty funny. A lot of people online like re- are really resentful towards him for like a scandal they had with wah pedals, and for me, I don't care like even a little bit. I just listen to pedals. I'm, I don't get into that stuff. Uh, and his pedals were just so 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 good, because um, they're kind of like, you know, they're kind of like uh, dumbbells. Okay. And uh, they voice your amp to sound similar to the old dumbbells. And, yeah. Uh, there's one if called the Ultraphonics that I use now uh, for my lead sound. And I started this tour, and I've used it every show. I love it. It's those, those, beautiful. Those old dumbbell amps, uh, those were made where it was, it was like the this EQs on one channel stacked to the next channel or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Could be. I uh, I recently got into reading those because some people were starting to re-boutique those amps out again. I, play a few, I played a few of them. They are... Uh, they're different, man. <laughs> they, they don't behave like, uh, like normal amps. That's what I've heard. And yeah. I, I'm always intrigued to do stuff like that. And that's another thing is like you get to try a lot of gear. You guys are always going to guitar shops at local places, playing gear. You went to a guitar museum recently. Yeah, Songbirds. That's where we played the Dumbos and some crazy old Strat. Yeah. It, yeah, in Chattanooga. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, just that kind of stuff. The fact that you guys expose people to what you're doing uh, when you're out there on tour. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as cool as it sounds. You know, it's <laughs> like, I think maybe, like, the my 15-year-old self would have been really envious, but, like, you know, I don't know. It was nice, but uh, that stuff, like, I don't dig... You know, people like Joe Bonamassa like now own like a quarter of the good gear in the world, but <laughs> it's also very disillusioning because when he plays, he just sounds like Joe Bonamassa. Yeah. You know, whether you're, like I'm not gonna pass judgment on that, but like I'm saying, it doesn't change anything you do too profoundly. You know, it's like you you should have like if you're gonna make guitar your life, you know. 
at, at some point you're gonna kind of reach the gear the, the high level gear and stuff that fits your playing and maybe dial in your tone sure it's like you know it's good to try things it's good to make changes but it's like you don't need a twenty thousand dollar amp true to yeah. sound good there exactly. are a lot of things that do there are a lot of a lot of gear at the very high level of gear does approximately the same thing a hundred watt head does a thing and you know obviously like different tubes kind of change it different speakers change it yep but uh you need to get in the ballpark of what you're going for as soon as you can and i think it's very possible and and a lot of people that are waiting for gear it's just an excuse to not get down to business like when you're if you're making a record and you're just waiting for that perfect la studio and the nicest plugins and the best amps and like then it's like no it's not how it works like serious people make the best thing they can with what they have around them yes and sometimes that actually having those ingredients actually creates something altogether different than what they could have created had they had sure. all of the best things at their disposal sure. so sure. and you know creating something beautiful has to do with just doing your best at the time yeah and uh and you see a lot of people that have a lot of money and a lot of access to the best gear are much past their peak artistically yeah, you that's true. I mean? Like if Zeppelin had to make another record now, probably the guitars, the guitars that would be on that record would be worth, worth you know, a hundred million dollars. Yeah, exactly. You know, because everybody would bust it out, but they're so past. Yep. You know, yep. You know like Jimmy Page or something, or even like somebody younger. You know, it's not. It's not like, a, yeah, like it's not like a new Steve Vai album. Exactly. It's going to be so epic now, even though he has access to the best things available that's true and yeah. he even still just uses some of the old gear that he right. had from back in the day yeah, anyway so you know i mean for me at this point i don't know i just when we go to the studio i just bring my amp and yep. plug it in i yeah i, I like it and like you, you said there are so many people when you go to the studio where it's just like we're gonna amp it up and reamp it and then buy amp it and then we're gonna do different plugins on it and everything and there's people that will just manipulate the hell out of the guitar sound in the studio as opposed to just sure just yeah, yeah. Amp. I don't believe in that. Uh, I never reamped anything, and it's things react. The amp is a part of your instruments; like it reacts to your playing. Mm -hmm. you, you, it's not. It's not something you play things through. It's like you know, different harmonics pop out, and and I would hit the string different if, you know, if I wanted to to create different kinds of sounds. Um, yeah, I mean, this whole idea of like uh, of engineering you know your record rather than capturing your sound mm -hmm. is very foreign to me Cause, yeah. but i think i have a different set of heroes i'm more i'm more old like you know my favorite players like charlie parker and stuff or django they had one sound yeah you know like the way i think about like of course i use like a distorted sound and delay but that's still like my i'm always trying to like play with my one sound i don't have seven distortion sounds exactly you know i have one sound it's kind of like a voice yeah and, and that might change from year to year like slightly maybe a different going through a different pedal but like i don't think the interesting thing i you know some players like really have this idea that every time they play a solo it needs to have a different sound to it or it's boring that's like it's not how it's like you need your playing to be the interesting part if you draw too much attention to the way you're coloring your tone 
No, like you know, my okay. It's it's cool, but like, what are you like showcasing like the best of uh, pedal like <laughs> yeah. a Nam show of yeah exactly twenty nineteen? Yeah, that's the point it, of making an yeah, album. Yeah, it's the Nam of tones, and I get what you're saying. That's where it can be distracting. Where like, uh, and I'm not trying to. Because like I play in a band with a guy with a Kemper, but one of the distracting things about a Kemper is like you could have like a Fender Twin and then a Marshall and then like a 6505 tone like all coming out in the same song. And if you know what's going on, you're like, man, these tones like they, they sound good, but it's also like, man, you would need so much gear to try to recreate this live if you had to. And it, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't buy that Kemper stuff. <laughs> it's like I, I heard you on the walk down to Mexico. Uh, your uh, thought, your thought process on yeah, that I one. I was quoting Mason yeah. from Vertex. He said he had the best analogy. He said that like digital stuff is like trying to sell blow-up dolls to sex addicts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just are not. In, if you had a taste of the real thing, you're just not in. Listen, this is the way I think about it. But but like you know, jokes aside, people will always try to find the tools that make them fit into the context they're playing in. The problem is that there are very few people anymore that play with real contexts. Okay. Meaning backing tracks has become the thing you put guitar sounds on yep. through your computer speakers. So if you're playing through a Marshall, the mids coming from your speaker are not going to fit in the mix in your house of, your, of what's coming through. It's not going to blend in the air. It's going to squash it. Yep. So you go for more and more digital gear because it's no, not a Marshall. It's Marshall in a frame. Yep. It's Marshall inside the computer, in the box. It's digital Marshall. It's mar it's, it has the marshall thing, but it also f it's so tiny that it fits in the tiny world that your pretend musicians are in. And then when you go to the show and you mic them up and you throw them through the PA, you, all you're doing is you're mixing that backing track through the PA and your thing. It's not, it doesn't have a place in the, in the real sonic space of the room. We don't play like that. So it's like I'm playing, you know, with a real drum set and I'm not using any monitors on stage other than for saxophone. Yep. I'm hearing the bass from the bass amp. I'm hearing the drums from the acoustic drums. There's no, there's no like, uh, if I had... You know, if I had a digital kind of thing, it would just disappear. I would have to basically mix everything in my monitors and then mix the guitar in there too to hear it. Yeah. So it's just like every speaker in the room, you're basically mixing a little record, and yep. then, and then you have this like miniature picture of music. It's just not. It's not the acoustically what we're going for. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Like the the benefits of the Kemper could be outweighed by maybe your proclivity to tone uh, easily because like the benefit is is I can carry 476 different amp models all in one carryable doohickey sure. to any show so it, it no, is the, the benefit is if you're playing the kind of music where mu where guitar is a tiny detail that needs to fit in a very rich mix yes. then it's gonna be fine yep if you're trying to be a voice on your instrument and play music basically electroacoustic music mm -hmm. you know which is what rock was till very recently mm -hmm. then it's not gonna work you yeah. know I mean I've, I went to a student of mine bought me tickets to go see Generation X and I saw Tosa Nobasi and then Nuno Betancourt mm -hmm. and it's like it's like seeing like a a tiny person and a giant cause when you see like a, a two big marshals and a fractal yeah back yeah. to back it's just like one of them sounds like a joke uh i totally get what you're saying because even if you dial in like this is the most perfect we can make uh whatever digital sound like a 
amp number X, you know, and then you go live and you hear amp number X, they sound a little bit different. Like you can, de like you and I could tell, maybe like the layman couldn't, but I've also been someone who's like, I'm going to go by this amp and I'm going to go by that amp and this one sounds different and I'm going to try that one out. So I've been trying to like go through different amps and try different pedals. So I know how tone can and should sound, but like, you know, like you said, maybe to the layman, they might not understand that. This thing is just sure, kind of like a boxed uh, version the, the of... The layman won't understand because it's very subtle. It's also the fact that uh, an amp, when you're playing electric guitar, like for me, I can't even... I hate playing like not 100-watt heads. Like if I have to play a 50-watt tube head, it drives me crazy because, you know, just when you get used to the amount of air moving into the headroom yep. and the dynamic range. I tried to play a Friedman. I bought a Friedman and I sold it after one show uh, and it's because it was just too compressed you know I couldn't get the amp to behave in a way that uh, made sense with the way I learned how to play guitar it was too I also f I feel that way about humbuckers too it's like it covers up so much of your playing that uh, you know if you're the kind of player that worked on precision and you're not hitting strings you're not trying to hit and you know you play everything fairly cleanly then you get to enjoy you know the volume the slight volume changes coming from your right hand and if something just kind of squashes everything to where it takes it away from you then you really feel like you don't have any sort of room it's like you're in a prison where you can't express yourself with like those that like thing of pushing a little bit and pulling a little bit back you know it's more like how Obviously, it's not for layman's, but it's how you—it's the shading of your of your playing. It's the very like tiny minutia that makes you feel like you're actually speaking. Yeah, you lose you know? a lot of articulation. Yeah, and, uh, it's, and it's like to me, it's like when I lose it, I really feel like I'm sucking. Right? I, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like my instrument, like the tiny bit of freedom I have, just got taken. You know? Yeah, it's like it's like now you can only speak in a monotone voice, and this is like all the better you can get. Sure. And it doesn't get any louder or quieter, yeah. and everything sounds like you know. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Eventually, it's you're just, like that. So it's yeah. like you're always, you know, if you're used to have like you know, it's it's two percent more freedom, and then it gets taken away. You really it's it's becomes Bingo. all you think about it. Bingo. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, but if you're if you're not aware that that exists, and you're just trying to like you know, you're the kind of player that's just trying to play a part. Mm -hmm. I can totally see where it's like just pressing buttons, like gain, 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 yep. and that's like you just oh different. That's different. That's different. That's different. But like for me, it just feels like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was something I was actually thinking about on the drive down here was this, it's not like, I feel like a lot of, and I'm guilty of this just as much as anybody else, but I feel like a little, too many people lean on the gain knob too hard. You know, it's just like, well, gain, it sounds good. It's metal. It's, it's heavy. It's distorted or whatever. And like you said, it brings that compressed yeah. thing in there that kind of just takes away from some of your articulation that you have yeah, available to you. Yeah, there's also the issue you. of like, uh, it could be very scary to stand next to a loud amp. Yeah. You know, uh, and... If you hear the, you know, it's if you put your ear against your hypothetically against your own mouth and heard yourself speak, all the breath and lip and spit noises, mm -hmm. you might be like uh, afraid to make a sound because yep. you're hyper aware at that point. Yep. And when you're playing with a very, when I, when we were opening for Alan Holdsworth, the the whole bottom cab, the bottom like two caps that he used for his lead tone he would flip over and shoot him backwards because he didn't want to hear it you know so 
a lot of times people use reverb or delay to put distance, not between the audience and the sound, but between themselves and the sound. Okay. They're afraid of their own sound, so reverb just artificially makes it sound like it's far away. The problem is that, obviously, from where the audience is standing, you sound like you're actually far away, and then you have reverb on top of it. So you have the actual reverb and the, and the digital reverb, yep. and it just makes it sound like you're, sound like you're in a cave. Yep. Uh, oh, but yeah. the, the, the psychological reason of using reverb is just because... You know, to put that distance between you and your sound, yep. um, because it's scary to be the one controlling the sound. It's very when you're true, right there. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, it's like flipping the amp the other way or wearing earplugs or something like that actually gives you the distance you need from your sound. Mm -hmm. You know, or just getting used to it, yeah. which is uh, it's hard. But you know, pianists have the same problem when they overuse that you know sustain pedal yep you know just to make it sound ambient but the problem is it sounds soupy yeah. when you stand a few feet it's away it's starting to lose articulation yeah. in there all those nuanceical bits this is this is actually a really great conversation because i it's been a while since i've sat down and thought about music this deeply and you're somebody that obviously this is all you do is just sit down and think about music as deeply yeah. as you know as you do which if anybody goes online they'll figure it out in a hurry that this is what you guys are all about um and you guys are everywhere online you got Facebook is where you're probably most mm -hmm. most popular. Bandcamp. Uh, you're on Bandcamp. Um, I think I saw on Instagram as well. Uh, uh, it's a Marbin Music. Is that on everywhere? Is it Marbin yeah, Music? Marbinmusic.com. Uh, Marbin yep. uh, you guys are finishing up a tour as of the day we're recording yeah. this. But That's right. Last day of tour right now. But I'm sure you're going to go on tour again. Yeah, you guys are January. Always, yeah, okay, so you're taking like a month off. And, yeah. All right, so you can take the holidays off and go back out on tour. Uh, I don't know what that tour is, but I'm sure you're coming back through. No, some, not somewhere. Iowa. We're going to Texas and uh, yeah, down south, okay. deep south. Makes sense. Wintertime, go south. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no then, uh, yeah, we have a new album coming out December first. Cool. Yeah, it's called Strong Thing. It's all ready. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's already. We're selling the VIP package for, which is. You can get it for the actually. I don't know when this is coming out. I think it's on, it's going to be only till next Friday. But it comes with a limited edition T-shirt and uh, cool. Marvin Strikes Back coffee table book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's dude. only seven seven days to get that. Uh, but after that, we'll start pre-sale for just the album. Dude, uh, that's cool. Yeah. That Marvin Strikes Back coffee table book. It'll be worth it for that alone. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So that's uh, that's available right now on our Bandcamp, but only till next Friday. Okay. Cool. <laughs> cool, man. After that, will be the pre-sale. And then December 1st, Strong Thing comes out. That's awesome. Strong Thing's the name of the new album. Yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, I mean, I've been following you guys for your last three albums. Uh, it's been fun to see you guys live, uh, see you at shows. Well, tonight's all new music. You've never heard any of it. Cool. This is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really happy you sat down. Uh, I mean, took some time out of your day yeah, of to course. sit down and talk with me a little bit here. Uh, we've given shout outs. We've talked about Marvin, uh, your band. We've talked about shows you got coming up, Choosing Tone, all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to toss in here while we're talking? Go to marbinmusic.bandcamp.com. There's a free sampler there. If you're not, if it's absolutely free, if you're not into buying music, you can just download it. It has one song from every album, and you can just enjoy it. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. a good idea. One from every album. Yep. You get a little tiny snapshot of a taste from everything. That's right. Dude, so, that's, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight at Lefties, man. So it's, it's going to be, be great. Fun. All right. We'll check awesome. you later, man. Ah, there. That was a fun one. Uh, I forgot to mention in the intro that was actually recorded in a coffee shop. Man, before back in the day, before I was doing all the 
you know, video and things like that for the podcast. I record it anywhere and everywhere. And I get it to an extent. Like, I still do that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I was all over the map recording some of these. And, like I said, that one was in a coffee shop. I think a few weeks earlier uh, from this episode, I was in, like, a parking lot. And I was... I've recorded a couple at like parks and things like that. I mean, I've been all over the place recording these and I still go all over the place and record, you know, some of the episodes somewhere, you know, sometimes I have to meet people at public locations and do crazy things like that. Otherwise, we do got the Skype stuff and things like that as well. So if you guys are interested in being on the podcast, hit me up. I'm still filtering through some people that uh, wanted to be on the podcast. I got a few of them on there. Uh, the last few weeks, I had some people hit me up and uh, brought them on the podcast to talk about some things going on. Did a replay episode this week while I reschedule a few things out. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to be on, on an episode, uh, hit me up. My, I'm, I'm letting you know ahead of time my schedule is weird. It's tough. It's busy. Uh, but if we can fit you in, I'll definitely fit you in and try and do an episode of the podcast so I don't have to do another replay. And uh, I did this instead of doing a solo episode. I noticed the replay episodes definitely do a little bit better than the solo episodes. So maybe I'll keep the solo episodes to a minimum and we'll do uh, a few more replays from back in the past. For people that may have just recently joined and didn't know some of these old episodes are back there. They're back there. There's some there's some gems in the back. Uh, you can definitely tell my uh, interviewing style has changed. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I was also pretty nervous for this one. Like I said uh, earlier, this is... One of those ones where it was, you know, one of the more famous people I'd interviewed. Um, looked up to him quite a bit, seen him online all the time, watched him play live quite a few times. So it was really fun to have him around and have him on the podcast. So, uh, you know, two and a half years later. Thanks, Danny. Uh, appreciate it. If you guys are looking for Audible Farm goodies, you can go to audiblefarm.com. Find links to everything. We got the social media there. There's also the Audible Farm YouTube channel. Go ahead and click subscribe there. We got uh, all sorts of stuff gets uploaded there, mostly the podcast. Sometimes there's uh, guitar painting videos and mod videos and things like that. There. So, so hit subscribe if you're interested in that. And uh, if you're already watching on YouTube and subscribed, thank you very much. Uh, otherwise, the Audible Farm shop is shop.audiblefarm.com. It did sell a few more shirts this last week. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Lee Klett bought a few shirts. I went and saw him play live. Speaking of which, I saw a lot of shows this last weekend. I saw Lee play live, and then I saw Emily Johnson play, and then I saw Matt Woods play, and uh, who else? And then I saw Lee and Jesse play like a tandem show together, Jesse Wilson. So that was really cool. That was a really fun time. I've played a lot of a lot of crazy shows this year too. I got more crazy ones coming up. Three Finger Betty's booking a lot of a lot of big big shows with a lot of uh, bands that were you know at one point in time were huge national touring bands. You know, a lot of people. Uh, they sold a lot of records and things like that. So it's really cool to, to be able to do that with uh, these bands. But uh, I'm also playing shows with Clint Riedel, and I'm playing shows with Jesse Wilson. And believe it or not, I've played an uh, equal amount of shows with almost every band. So uh, it's been a kind of a wild year this year. Last year was pretty much one-sided, and, and uh, this year it's kind of been evened out. So it's kind of been wild. So go out and check out some live music. Like I said, I, I think I saw four shows this last weekend. Um, maybe, maybe that's, you know... A testament to what was going on in town at that time but for dodge always has a lot of a lot of shows going on or at least in the northern iowa area you know so check it out if you guys are out and about uh let me know where the shows are at if you guys want to find some shows uh i have available i do have the audible farm group on facebook which has a calendar and the calendar you can click on it and see what shows are coming up on what days and uh, the shows that are on there are just shows I see on Facebook and share in there. Otherwise, they're ones that people share in there themselves. If you have a Facebook event set up for your event, just share your Facebook event in that group. 
and it will automatically post your event right to the calendar. So if you guys want to do that, that's awesome. I appreciate everyone that's looking at that. I've had a lot of people telling me they look at it every week, kind of see what's going on and plan their weekends around some shows if they can. So that's really cool. So thank you guys for checking that out. Otherwise, uh, the Audible Farm Patreon has got video versions of the Audible Farm podcast, $1 a month. Otherwise, the audio uh, versions are always going to be free. So thank you guys very much. We gained a couple patrons recently, so thank you guys for becoming patrons of the Audible Farm podcast. Otherwise, always going to be free in the audio versions. So thank you guys for listening. Like, share, subscribe, tweet, retweet, poke, whatever. All the the good stuff. Thank you guys very much. I'm out of here. I'll check you guys next week. Peace.